0: Let's turn to Psalm 9 again. And we'll uh, do what we would have done last week. And uh, glad the weather's a little better. A little hot outside there, though. Not quite ready for that. But uh, so far, so good, though, in terms of uh, tornadoes and that kind of thing. So we pray the Lord will continue to bless us. I heard today that they've got a new treatment. They have taken old mice with dementia, and put in uh, a certain fluid from the brain of young mice, and it's restoring the memory of the old mice. Ready to sign up? I'm thinking like tonight, I sort of need it. Some of those songs I know, and yet there'd be one word off, and then that'd throw everything off. My only uh, question is, maybe you can help me, how do you tell if a mouse has dementia? Not real sure about that and about how that works, but uh, trust the science, I guess, is what we've been told, so maybe maybe it'll work. Wouldn't it be great, though, if they did come up with a cure for dementia and Alzheimer's and all that kind of stuff in the next few years? That'd be a wonderful thing, so I'm kind of getting at the age where any time I, you know, where'd I put my keys, where'd I put my phone? It kind of scares me just a little bit. Uh-oh, it's happening. And uh, so I've, I'd be all for it. I'd take the the mouse genes and just eat cheese and live life, right? Well, we are looking in uh, Psalm nine. I ask you a question before we read our verses tonight. If you had the opportunity to meet with a, let's say, a young mother with three children that are all ten and under, except that they live in Afghanistan right now. What would you what would you talk to them about? How could you relate to them? How could you even come close to encouraging somebody like that? I uh, heard a talk show host that got berated, uh, even though he was an African American, but he didn't live in the inner city, and someone chewed him out and said, "You don't know what it's like," you know, that type of thing. Well, can you imagine what if what if you were in Afghanistan and you're I don't know, let's call it a mission trip. And uh, you're going to be there for a couple of weeks ministering, helping a church. You've got security, you've got plenty of food, you've got all of that type of thing going on for you. And uh, that probably wouldn't happen, but let's say you do. We're just pretending, okay? Sanctified imagination here. And you are talking with this woman with these three kids. She's nervous. She's nervous she uh, her husband let's say is in prison because he's a christian no breadwinner she's worried about her children there's pressure on them to be muslim pressure on them to maybe join al-qaeda or isis or something like that can you imagine what kind of fears she must have and she's just a regular everyday run-of-the-mill woman there in Afghanistan what would you talk to her about you certainly wouldn't be able to say well I know how you feel I mean what what do we have that even relates to that you know I went to the store one time and they didn't have the kind of bread I needed I know what it's like to suffer oh, yeah. in that kind of about I mean our first world problems what would you say what would you talk about let's go to Ukraine you're in a subway, bombs are falling all outside, and you have the chance to talk to somebody, maybe a similar situation. They have kids, they're thinking about the future. What, what would you ask them about their dreams and their hopes and their aspirations for life? You know, we kind of do that here. We might start up a conversation, and, and uh, I had somebody ask me a question one time, and they started it like this, started the conversation this way. Well, Greg, where do you want to be in five years? And we talked about where I wanted to be in five years. I want all my kids out of my house. You know, I want to have plenty of money. I want to, you know, all those kind of things that come up. What would, what would you say to someone in Ukraine in a subway shelter uh, from bombs? And uh, what would you say to them? If they told you, what do I think of that I want in five years? How would you respond if they said, I just want my family to be alive? What would you do in that situation? Well, when we get to Psalm 9, we're going to talk about our timeless, glorious Lord. Because whether you're in America at this time or in Afghanistan or Ukraine or anywhere... There's something that we all have in common. You know what that is? All of us are going to die. Now we may kind of uh, delude ourselves, I think, because, uh, you know, we have heating, and we have air conditioning, and we have food, and we have transportation, and uh, we complain and gripe a lot about our country, and there are real problems. But uh, for the most part... I don't really go out after dark and worry that I'm going to get shot or mugged or something like that. Life is still, with all the things I don't like about America and don't like the way we're headed, I have to admit, life is actually, for me and for my family, just pretty good. And it seems like it ought to go on forever. And that's why we get rattled when we get a diagnosis, cancer, heart disease, something like that. We get rattled because we don't live in a culture that faces death very often. Okay? Now, if you lived in Afghanistan, seeing uh, decapitated bodies in the street might not be a rarity. If you were in Ukraine and you saw whenever you would come out of the bomb shelter to go get food or something like that... Uh, you would see the devastation all around you and even death all around you. And in a lot of places all around the world, death is an everyday occurrence. I talked to someone from Mexico, and uh, they said that seeing dead bodies from the cartels in the streets as an example and to make people afraid was an everyday occurrence. See, we don't have that kind of stuff around here. So when we think about death, it's kind of a it's a downer, it's kind of a shock to our system and for a doctor to say, "I'm sorry, you're going to die." Okay? Now, I can say this because it's not affecting me personally, so if it is affecting you, I don't mean any disrespect or anything like that. But sometimes when a doctor says those words, we act as though, "What? I'm going to die?" Now, you should have already known that. You should already be aware of that. It's appointed unto man, the book of Hebrews says, once to, what's the next word? Die. Yeah. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we're in that category, aren't we? And so everybody's going to die. Now, I would rather, if you let me write my script... I would rather live to be a ripe old age of my choosing, have my um, mental capacity and physical capacities all all fine, and just lay down one night and uh, go to sleep, and then when I wake up, I'm in heaven. Wouldn't it be great? But you don't get to write those kind of things. And uh, we act like it's a travesty that we don't, And yet people all over the world are dying at much younger ages than we do, in much more tragic situations than we do. What do we have to say to them? What could we possibly say to them that would help them? You know, whenever I uh, visit somebody who is dying, and uh, sometimes I have the opportunity to take somebody with me, and they go, I don't know what to say. And I go, I don't either. There's not like a magic formula or a book you open up that uh, tells you what to say. It's tough sometimes. Sometimes it's better to say nothing and just to be with them and hold their hand or read some scripture sometimes. And um, sometimes they ask questions or say something and you respond in kind. But nobody, nobody has a, a, you know, a book that they open up what to say to the dying That will matter and will mean something to them. It's a tough situation. What would you say to somebody in that situation? So let's think about that. And uh, read these verses. And understand that whether you are here or in Afghanistan or in Ukraine or in the Congo or in India or anywhere. Everybody's going to die. Everybody's going to die. It's just a matter of when... And how you're going to die. Isn't it? And some people have peaceful circumstances. A lot of people don't. And if you get to die. As, as people say. Uh, he or she died peacefully with their family and friends around. Then that will be something you can rejoice about in heaven. But people that are victims of terrorist attacks and people that died in 9-11 and in the Oklahoma City bombing and those kind of things don't, don't have those same things. So well, how do we relate? What are we going to say? Well, I would take you to Psalm 9, verse 7. Okay? This is something that we all need to know. This ministers to everybody anywhere in any situation. Here's what it says. But the Lord shall endure Forever. He has prepared his throne for judgment and he shall judge the world in righteousness and he shall administer judgment for the peoples in righteousness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. <clears throat> a refuge in times of trouble allergies here. It's spring in Oklahoma, isn't it? And verse 10, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Now, I don't know whether that person in Afghanistan will receive that or not. But if they would, it would help them. I don't know if that person in Ukraine would receive those words or not, but those are sure words they need to hear at a time like this. And I would also say to my neighbor, your neighbor, friends and relatives, and even to us, we sure need to hear this. I don't know that we always receive these kind of things, but we need to hear it and we need to know it as we look around at the life that we are living and the culture that we live in. We sure need to know these things. So, what do we uh, need to know based upon these verses of Scripture? Number one, the wicked and evil come and go, but the Lord remains on the throne. That's what you find in verse 7. The wicked come and go. You know, we uh, have this tendency to look around and go, Oh, it is worse than it's ever been before. You ever said that? You ever felt that? I have. But then I go, is that true? I don't know. I haven't lived long enough to know. I don't know what it was like back under Nero. It might have been a whole lot worse than anything we're facing now. I don't know what it was like to live as a Jew hiding in an attic in 1943 under Hitler in Germany. I don't know what that's like. I might be tempted to say if I was doing that and the Gestapo was coming in to get me and my family to take us to Auschwitz or Dachau or something like that, I might be tempted to say this is the worst it's ever been. And it might be. I don't know. There's a lot of things and a lot of situations that are worse than anything that we are living through right now. And what has happened to those people? Well, we can go back and we can look at, uh, since we were doing Exodus Uh, ladies Bible study and also on Sunday mornings. What about Pharaoh? What about living under Pharaoh? What about bondage under Pharaoh? What about making bricks under Pharaoh? What about being under the cruel taskmasters of Egypt? Would you say then this is the worst it's ever been? You might have a case. I don't know. I've I've never felt the lash of a whip. Never been eating slave food. I barely kept them alive. I, I, I just don't know. But you know what I am glad about? I'm glad Pharaoh's dead. I'm glad he's not around anymore. I'm glad I can't ask him. I'm glad he's gone. Evil comes and goes. I'm really glad that evil people like Hitler, I'm glad they die. Doesn't sound very loving, does it? Well, I could wish that they would get saved and go to heaven. What a work of grace that would be. But nonetheless... I'd rather not live in a world with Hitlers. I'd rather not live in a world with people like that. And we could probably name dozens of evil people that come on the scene, they grab power, they oppress people, they do dastardly, ungodly, horrific things, and then all of a sudden they die. I would remind the people in Ukraine, Vladimir Putin is going to die. He's going to be gone one of these days. One of these days your descendants... five generations from now will go... Vladimir who? They won't even remember or know anything about it... because they'll be caught up in the nasty now of their lives. And uh, we talk to uh, people now that are 30 and under... and you mention the Murrah building... and they go, "Uh, yeah, I kind of heard about that. Don't really know much about it. Isn't that sad? You think about 9-11. 9-11 has been long enough now that there are a lot of people in our schools who weren't even alive when 9-11 took place. It doesn't mean anything to them. They're just ticked off because they can't get their locker open or because their parents wouldn't buy them a certain brand of sneakers or you know how that kind of stuff goes because previous generations like ours did that same type of stuff. We just weren't really aware. It was about our friends. It was about our social life and that type of thing. And then as we grew up, then it was about the problems that we faced in the world and the economy. Now, I don't care so much about them. When I was kind of coming into my own in the 80s, to be honest, I didn't really care a whole lot about what my parents would tell me about the Depression. I don't live in a Depression. I can't relate to that, right? It's human nature. That's the way we are. And sometimes it's hard for us, when we are in the midst of trials, in the midst of bad situations, to think. When the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always, if I'm in Ukraine in a subway shelter, what do I have to rejoice about? Well, I could rejoice in my salvation, number one, so I would hope that they would be saved. I think I could also rejoice in the fact, too, that wars don't last forever and the reign and rule of tyrants never last forever. Yeah, but it might last longer than I do. Well, if you're saved, you go to heaven. So what are you griping about? But they don't last forever. They're going to have their day. But isn't it amazing when we think about how many people come and go, presidents and senators and congresspeople and mayors and governors... And tyrants and despots and all of that, they all come and they all go. They all come and they all go and they kind of get forgotten. They're put, uh, what was it uh, Reagan said about communism? They end up on the, uh, the dustbin of human history, the ash heap, some people say. It's the way it all, always goes, except for one. Except for one. There's one who never steps off of the throne, there's one who never has to worry about impeachment. There's one who never has to think about the polls and the next election that's coming up, and that is our timeless, glorious God. He has been through all of this, and he has been over all of this. He's seen the worst of the worst. He's seen the, I don't know, the carnage. He's seen the hard times. He's collected tears. The psalmist said that for believers he collects our tears and he keeps them. There's an old song I said tears are a language God understands. Boy, that's true. And yet he's never wavered. He has never changed his mind. He has never been threatened. He rules and he reigns over everything. Now that's something you could tell somebody in Afghanistan and I hope they would listen and I hope they would see it. Everything you see. Good times are temporary. Bad times are temporary. Leaders are temporary. Economies are temporary. Careers are temporary. All of the things that we see in life are temporary. And there's always a threat that comes up. There's always something like that. And that's why you better have your trust and hope in the right place. Because evil will come and go, but the Lord will remain on the throne. See that in verse 7? But the Lord shall endure. And how long is he going to endure? Just till times get better? Is he just going to endure until he can pass it off to somebody else? No. You like that word forever? The Lord will endure forever. Well, it, it blesses me to think that Moses could never have taken the people of Israel out of Egypt without the Lord. So we could say... God did it through Moses, but God did it. Can I get an amen on that? God did it. Okay? Now, here's the thing we have to think about. The same God you and I pray to and worship and sing about tonight is exactly the same God that Moses prayed to and worshiped. It's the same God that parted the Red Sea, the same God that lives in you. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead on that third day is the same God that lives in you and the God you're going to be with for eternity. Now let that just uh, settle in. Presidents come and go, don't they? But God remains. The good times that we have, sometimes they're not so good. And sometimes the good times vanish and we live in this thing where we say why can't it be like it used to be? Why can't it be like it was? I was at a funeral the other day and they showed uh, the video and uh, you know the feeling because you felt it in your own family and own life. Somebody is going, oh, that was such a good time. Why, why Why do things have to change? Why do things have to change? And uh, they just do, don't they? Life has to go on, generations come and go, and all of this happens, but the Lord remains the same forever. So that would be the first thing that I would say to somebody in Afghanistan or Ukraine. Would they receive it? I don't know. Would I receive it? I don't know. But the truth of the matter is nobody receives the truth of the word of God apart from the Holy Spirit. So I could say this. They would if the Holy Spirit gives it to them and puts it in their heart and gives them the capacity to understand because that's the only reason you understand anything that we've been talking about here. Thank the Lord for that. He remains forever and we can't forget that. Number two. The Lord is, and it kind of dovetails into that first point, unchanging. Unchanging. Is he just stubborn? Is he like a stubborn old man that uh, wants to keep wearing those pants that he's had for 30 years just because he likes them and they look ridiculous and they're way out of style and he just looks at you and says, I don't care, I like them, I'm going to wear them. Is that the Lord? You know, sometimes you look at people around and you say, you know, you need an update you know in your wardrobe you need an update in your hairdo you need an update in uh you know what you how you decorate your house or something like that but the lord never needs anything like that because he's never behind the times he's never stuck in the past and the lord is never one who needs to change it's not that he's just stubborn and won't change he doesn't need to change he knows everything He is sovereignly ruling over everything. He is the most up-to-date being in the universe. Now, some people might try to say, no, that's the devil. Don't don't give him that. Don't give him that. And he may be appealing, and he may be offering people forbidden fruit even now like he did Eve. And he may package it different. And there may be more varieties of forbidden fruit now. But um, he's not a creator. The devil just does the same thing over and over. And the Bible says all that's in the world is three things, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Don't you have anything new? No, he doesn't. Still working, so he's going to stay with what works. But it doesn't work on people who know the Lord, and it doesn't work on the Lord. Why? Because the Lord knows what the devil's gonna do, what society is going to be like, what the culture is, what the styles are, the entertainment figures, the political leaders. The Lord knows all of that before they even happen. And also, let's get really down to earth, they would not have a career if he didn't allow it. And they don't come into power until he allows it and they don't stay a second longer than he allows and he knows exactly what's going to happen afterwards and he takes care of us so the Lord is unchanging and he is the standard for judgment and when he judges when that day comes it's going to be without mercy every person that stands before the great white throne of the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation <clears throat> the same verdict, guilty, depart from me into the lake of fire forever, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's it. There's no uh a plea on that. There's no uh, plea bargaining. There's nothing like that at all. It's perfect justice because the Lord is the standard for judgment. And that's why it's without mercy. He told us very clearly in his word, be ye holy as I am holy. There you go. There's the standard. There's a standard. You say, well, that puts all of us in trouble. You're right about that. You're right about that. But you see, the people that are lost and refuse to accept Jesus Christ and have no need for grace, they're going to be their own defense attorney, which, you know, you've seen all the cop shows. That's always a bad idea when you want to defend yourself. And when they stand before the Lord, there is nothing that he doesn't know. There's nothing that he has to, quote-unquote, discover. The Lord knows all of that, and there's not going to be any mercy. And that's why it says he has prepared his throne for judgment. Do you realize that's a day that the Lord is ready for even now? Now, that judgment may not take place for a 1,000 more years. We don't know, do we? But the Lord's ready for it. If it uh, is another 10,000 years... Before judgment comes. And a lot more people are going to live and die. And a lot more nations are going to rise and fall. A lot more wars are going to be fought. There's going to be a lot more corruption and all of that. Uh, Here's what it says. The Lord has prepared. Past tense. The Lord has prepared his throne for judgment. He's ready. He's ready. Nothing's going to catch him off guard. Not going to be any need for a jury. Because he knows and he will render the right verdict. There's never going to be an attorney going, we just found this and this changes everything. Not not going to happen with the Lord. His throne has been prepared for judgment. Boy, if this world understood that, they would be terrified. You look at the number of babies that are killed through abortion. If people really believed what we just read in the last part of verse 7, they would be terrified. When you think about the people that laugh at God, that mock God, that use His name in vain, if they really understood this, they would be terrified. Every corrupt politician would be terrified right now. But they're not. Why? Because it's not true? Oh no, don't go there. It is true. But they don't see it. And you know what's really sad? I don't think we really see it either. We kind of, oh yeah, it's going to happen, but it doesn't seem to be happening now. We need to understand the world is under judgment and lost people. Jesus said in John chapter 3, they are condemned already. Why? Because the Lord's already made his throne, already prepared it for judgment. Look at verse 8. He shall judge the world in righteousness now that's not just saying he has righteous character as he does this it's telling us that when he judges the world there will be absolutely no corruption when he judges the world there will be nothing no hidden agenda or anything like that he is an impartial judge and as people are brought before him and as they plead their case he is going to expose them For what they really are. And every good deed is going to be seen to be as filthy rags. Isn't that what the Bible says? And uh, they're going to find out who they are. And they're not going to snow him. They're not going to bribe him. Nobody's going to protest in front of his house. To try to get him to change his judgment. Like they're doing now at the Supreme Court Justices' homes. Can you believe that? What are they trying to do? Intimidate. Get them to change their deal. Well, you're not going to be able to do that with God, because He is judging in righteousness, and <clears throat> notice this: He shall administer judgment for the peoples in uprightness. He's not going to be going by a poll. He's not going to be thinking about what's going to be popular or. Anything. It'll all be done, and it will be done right and in uprightness in Acts chapter 17 verse 31 it says because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed you know who that man is It's Jesus yeah that's that's amazing and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead well that cleared it up got to be Jesus in 2nd Thessalonians chapter 1 Verses uh, 6 through 8. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. And to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. Inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God. And on those who do not obey the gospel Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friend I want to tell you. If you're not saved. The only time you're going to get mercy from God. Is now. It's not going to come later. The judgment day will be without mercy. In absolute truth. Uncovering everything you've ever done. The Bible says even idle thoughts. Are going to be exposed on that day. Oh I'm glad I'm saved. Oh I'm glad Jesus paid The penalty for my sin. Oh I'm glad that he gave me his righteousness. Because I wouldn't have a chance. And neither would you. And that's the world that we live in. And they don't understand it. They may be high and mighty. And strutting around now. But they won't be on that day. And that's why we need to tell them the story. No mercy given at judgment. And his judgment will never be wrong. Because of his perfect knowledge. And he will never be swayed. By anything else. Okay, number three. The Lord is the one and only refuge. The one and only refuge. There's no place else you're going to The devil can't help you on that day. He's going to be judged and condemned into the lake of fire himself. You know, when I was a little kid, I used to watch Looney Tunes. Remember those? And uh, whenever somebody went to hell, there was a devil. He had horns and a tail and a pitchfork, and he was poking people. And I guess I thought for a while when I was a kid that's what hell is. The devil is the tormentor. And a lot of people think that. They think that in hell the devil's perfectly fine with the heat and he's just going around poking people, tormenting people and there are all kinds of stories and jokes about that. Not not the way it's going to be. The Bible says that the lake of fire is prepared for the devil and his angels. He is going to be punished there he's not going to be a punisher there so on the day of judgment he can't help you there's no refuge there there won't be any refuge in your peers you know sometimes we can get uh, around enough people who can go before I've I've done this in fact where I go before uh, a judge and uh you know, put my hand on the Bible, against guess my left hand and raise my right hand and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, you know, all of that. And then vouch for this person. No, this person is being falsely accused. This is not the person that I know. This is not the person that I've observed. You're, you've got it all wrong. Nobody's going to do that for you on the day of judgment. There's not going to be any refuge. There's not going to be any place to hide except for the Lord. Verse 9 says... The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. So if you're not sheltered in the Lord, what's going to happen to you? If you are not finding your shelter in Him, if He's not speaking up for you, see, the Bible talks about Jesus being my advocate before the Father in 1 John. You know what He's doing? He's my refuge. He's speaking up for me. Whenever the accuser of the brethren comes against me, and believe me, he's got plenty to accuse me of, what happens? The Lord Jesus stands up and he speaks up for me. He is my witness. And he's my righteousness. And he's yours as well. And, uh, man, I think when I look at some Christians, good night, he must be really busy up there because there are a lot of Christians not living right. I think about sometimes about people's guardian angels. Have you ever met that person where you go, man, their guardian angel must have to tag team. They've got to be tired all the time with that person. And um, you think about how the Lord is defending all of his children 24-7 from all over the world. Man, what a mighty God we serve. Because nobody else could do that and nobody else would be able to do that except the Lord is our refuge. Now it says he's going to be a refuge for the oppressed. Now we have to remember people in those days they would welcome the judgment of God because they didn't live under a constitution that gave them at least the illusion of and the promise of equal justice under the law. That's the way it's supposed to be. Now, whether it's ever actually made it to perfection on that, I kind of doubt. And there are times when it's better than others and sometimes when it's worse than others. But I'd still rather live under our system than any place else. But back when the psalmist was writing this, and back in most of your ancestors' lives before they got to America, you know how they lived? If the nobleman said you're guilty, you weren't allowed to say a word. You were guilty whether you were or not. If they accused your ancestor of stealing something when they were harvesting the crops, they didn't have a trial or anything. Off with their heads or hang them or, or whatever. Nobody spoke up for the poor. Nobody wanted to hear from the poor. Nobody wanted anything out of the mouth of the common man. The only people that mattered were dukes and earls and kings and queens and Lords and ladies, and that kind of thing. That's what it means whenever we use the word, you know, well, you just feel like you're entitled to all of that. That comes back from the day when you only got that if you were titled Lord, Lady, Duke, Earl, whatever they all are, Baron, Baroness, all of that. You got that because you were entitled. You had it. But if you didn't have a title, you didn't get anything. You didn't own land. You didn't have any standing in court. You didn't have any recourse. Nobody cared. Nobody wanted to hear what you had to say. And that's the way it was for a lot of times, even in Israel. Shouldn't have been. And that's why the Lord indicted them so much because of injustice. And he tells them, um, He has shown thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. But they didn't do that very often. And the kings didn't do that very often. And the nobility didn't do that very often. And so the psalmist writes about this, saying that the Lord is going to do something and he is going to speak up for us because we're oppressed. And in this world we do suffer persecution and people don't always hear us and they certainly don't always understand us. And there are times when we are falsely accused And uh, these people would say, I understand far more than you do what that is like. And the common people were often without a voice. And the powerful and the wealthy would squelch. They would overrun. And they would abuse the poor and the powerless. And the poorer they were and the more powerless they were, the better that they liked it. They would fight to keep their power and to keep people under oppression. There was corruption, perjury, Bribery and favoritism. And it all ran rampant. And people were just victims. And uh, can you imagine? They lived under all of that. And they welcomed the day of God's judgment. Because they knew that God knew the truth. I think it was the Happy Goodmans. Remember them? They sang a song years ago that said, In heaven there'll be no misunderstandings. You know, sometimes a misunderstanding is just bad enough when somebody thinks you did something or said something that you didn't say or you didn't mean. It just came across wrong and now you bear all of that and they won't have anything to do with you. Um, That's one of the things I look forward to at the judgment seat of Christ. There'll be plenty I won't look forward to because like you... Being a sinner, there's plenty that will burn up. But there's one thing that I've looked forward to is there are some people that think certain things about me that they're going to find out at the judgment seat weren't true. And we'll be able to embrace and enjoy heaven for eternity because we got the whole thing settled. They won't hear me now, but they will. They will. And that'll fix some things in your family. That'll fix some things with friends and neighbors and church members. It's going to be great because the Lord is going to judge in righteousness and in uprightness. And uh, this is going to be something that these people in the psalmist day welcomed and we should as well. It exposes the wrong. It speaks up for those who are right. And it will punish the corrupt. And one of these days, everything is going to be set straight. And uh, boy, that's going to be an amazing, amazing time. And then number four, we'll wrap it up here pretty quickly. The Lord preserves his own. Look at verse 10. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. I want to tell you something really good. That terrifying, awful, horrific unmerciful day of judgment can you imagine a case where somebody would be standing before the judge and go yeah but i wouldn't have done it if he hadn't led me into that and all of a sudden the jury's looking at you the focus of has changed onto you and somebody an attorney stands up and says you know i move that we rest our case here and then the judge says that's, you're dismissed, this case is dismissed, but take him under, you know, and handcuff him, and uh, we're going to bring charges against him now. And you're going, whoa, 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 this wasn't about me, this was about him. Yeah, but this new evidence swung everything over, and now instead of being somebody who is testifying, you're going to be somebody who needs to be defended, okay? Can you imagine if you're standing before Jesus... And somebody is able to point you out and call your name and name something that you did that stumbled them, that hurt them, that led them astray. And can you imagine the Lord saying, okay, well, let's dismiss this case and let's bring it over here where it really, really belongs. Can you imagine how awful? What, 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 me? You know what the psalmist is saying? Once you're in with the Lord, that will never happen. You're defended you are protected and you have a refuge in him because, what's the deal here? The Lord and those who know your name will put their trust in you. Have you? For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You know, the only reason you cared anything about the Lord is because he drew you to himself. Think about that. And when you got saved, he forgave all of your sins, past, present, and future. And that's why the apostle Paul could say, who's going to bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justified. That's perfect justification. That's unchangeable justification. And so there'll never be any charge brought against you and there'll never be any accusation brought against you that will stand up in the Lord's court because he doesn't forsake those who put their trust in him. He's still your advocate. He's still your father. He's still your friend. He's still your king and you're still justified. And when those guilt feelings come... And when demons whisper in your ear things that might even be true about your past, just remember the Lord doesn't forsake those that he justifies. It'll stand, and it'll stand up in his court, and it will stand up forever because he is the only refuge that we have. You see, to know his name is to know him. And the word there that is translated Lord is Yahweh, the proper name of the God of Israel. And knowing and understanding his name will bring you to trust. And you cannot trust in just any God. It has to be the right one. Yahweh, the God of Israel. can't be a God of your make- making or a God that you like better than the one you read about it in the Bible. No, it can't be because there are not many gods. Only one God. Only one God. The true and the living God. And he does not forsake Or abandon his people even under the worst of their circumstances. He won't cast us out, Jesus said. And he never backs off. He never retreats. He'll never be taken off of his throne. And you are as secure in Christ tonight. Or you will be, pardon me, as secure in Christ at the judgment time as you are right now. Because your righteousness is not yours. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's unchanging. And you have a standing before the Lord that doesn't change. And you'll never lose your salvation. You'll never lose your welcome into heaven. You will never lose the blessing that he gives you. Because that is something that he has purposed to do from before the foundation of the world. And his ruling and his verdict stands. Not guilty because your sin was put on Christ. And Christ's righteousness was put upon you. So we've had some uh, severe weather lately. Hadn't been terrible. We've seen certainly a whole lot worse. So let's go back to 1999. Where were you on May 3rd, 1999. And if you lived around here, you could tell me. You could tell me. That's when that big tornado came through, and that's one of the first times I ever in my life have hid from a tornado. Usually I was out watching them. Remember that day? But on the radio, had KTOK going, and they started telling us about that tornado. First of all, I was up here at the church and uh, uh, Steve Andrews told me I probably ought to get home because it was coming through Chickasha and heading this way. Uh, yeah, okay. Got home and started watching it on TV and that thing crossed I-44. I had never seen one cross I-44 before. They usually fizzle out before they get to that place. Remember that? And uh, oh man, they start talking. They start talking about places that I knew, streets that I recognized. In fact, at one point, they said, it's going to be coming down 104th Street. Well, we lived right off of 104th Street at that time. And so what did we do? Well, we didn't have any uh, interior room. Every room we had in there you know, had an exterior or something. So we went, you know, and said go to the bathroom. So we went to a bathroom on the side of the house opposite of where the tornado would be coming. And uh, first time I'd ever done this because they said, uh, you may not be killed by the tornado, but you might be hurt by the debris. So we got under a mattress. And there's Greg and Sammy and little Taylor and little Jenny and littler Chelsea. And we had a little dog at that time little Max, and Jenny has little Max under her arm, and she's rocking back and forth and going, Jesus loves me, this, a dog was never the same. I don't think he got saved either, but from that point on, anytime there was a rumble of thunder, the dog started shaking, thank Jenny for that. And uh, we were under there, and then they started talking about where, those, where that tornado was hitting. The patio homes, and thought about people that I knew that lived in there, and Westmore, and you know, all of that kind of stuff. And remember how terrible it was. All the time that I remember being a little kid, of course, I didn't always live in Oklahoma. I lived in different places, and they would tell us we'd have these drills for storms. And you know, they used to tell us, if you're ever in your car in a tornado, just stop and get out and just lay down in a ditch. Well, I don't want to be in a car, because I've seen those cars on tops of houses and, you know, wrapped around telephone poles. But I don't necessarily want to be in a ditch either. You know, they also told us to get under an underpass. Do you remember those people that were killed here in Moore because they got under an underpass and it made a wind tunnel and pulled them out? I have a safe room in my house now. And you know what? I think if one of those monsters ever comes again, I don't want to be in my car. I don't want to be in the front yard. I think I'd rather be in the safe room. Now, it's not a safe room just because I call it a safe room. I mean, I could take any room in my house. This is our safe room. Let's get in there. (laughs) Wouldn't be a safe room. It's not made for it. But this one is made for it. Made to, it's a steel thing in our garage bolted down and it's made to withstand an, uh, an EF5 that kind of thing So, I, th- I think I'll go in there I think I'll go in there why would I go in there? Okay, let me, let me just tell you because it makes sense to go in there right? amen? makes sense well when the Bible talks about the Lord being our refuge why are we going anywhere else? Why are we going anywhere else? The Lord is our refuge and our strength because this world doesn't see it, but, but you do. There's a storm coming. And it's not from Mother Nature. I hate that term. I'd rather trust Father God than Mother Nature. You know that storm is coming and it's not going to be a tornado or a hurricane. I've been through a hurricane too when we lived in Virginia. Been through some earthquakes when we lived in San Francisco. And some earthquakes around here too. Been through a lot of different things. There's a storm coming that you can't withstand. And that is the storm of the judgment of God. The judgment day. Unless you're in the right shelter. The shelter in the time of storm. And who is that? That is the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you don't know Him or you have doubts... About your salvation. I would love to talk to you. Because I've been there. I understand that. It's a horrible place to be. And as you look around at family. And friends. And neighbors. As you watch the news. And you hear about 100 people killed in a war today. wonder where they went. And they will be back. Because they'll stand before the Lord if they're not saved. And we need to look around at this world. And keep that in mind because the positive is God's gonna fix everything and set it all straight and clear up all the lies all the misunderstandings all the propaganda thank God for that but it's also going to be a day where there's no mercy and can you imagine hearing the words of the eternal judge depart from me workers of iniquity I never knew you into the lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Can you imagine seeing someone you know. As angels grab them and take them. And they are thrown off of the precipice of heaven. Into that lake of fire. For eternity. That kind of makes me. Want to be thankful that I'm saved. Kind of makes me want to share the gospel. With some of those people. Because that's the only hope. That they have. And we've got to get it. Someone asked William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, what would it take to make all of your people better evangelists? And his answer was five seconds in hell. Well, we gave you 45 minutes of it, but let's pray. Okay. Lord, as we think about that terrifying and awful day, we are comforted to know that you're always on the throne, that you judge in righteousness. We are... So grateful to know that we're in the right refuge and we're so thankful that you don't ever back off or forsake the people that you love and the people that you saved and that we are saved for eternity. But then there's a part of me that says, well, good for us, but what about everybody else? What about everybody else? Please have mercy on them and extend that mercy through us and let us proclaim what we believe and be serious about it in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, thank you for your time tonight. If you uh have a newsletter, would you take that out and you can certainly look at the uh different events and things that are coming up, things that you can pray for, things that you can be involved in as well. And uh, uh you know, you may not it may not be your thing, but you can pray for the people Uh, that are in it, and pray that the Lord will bless them in that. Uh, Sometimes you may look at that and you might go, hey, there's an opportunity, maybe I could help with it. You could get involved in that ministry. Um, Always always a place for things like that, so that might might open up a ministry for you. And um, also it might be something that you look at and you go, wow, that looks expensive, I think I'll give a little bit extra this next week and maybe designate it for that because we want to do things... Right and do things well. And so uh, as you you give, the Lord will bless you for that. That's the best way that you... Your best hedge against inflation is not gold or silver or Bitcoin or anything like that. It's uh, giving to the Lord's work. And He's promised to take care of those who give. So uh, never, ever forget that. And so uh, make sure you look through those things. And then when you look on the back, you've got people that are in desperate need of your prayers. Desperate need of your prayers. They're in desperate need of your friendship. They're in desperate need of your ministry. And so as the Lord impresses upon your heart, find a way. Find a way to do something for them. Find a way to encourage them. Find a way. You say, well, nothing really comes to mind. Find a way. Find a way. Be diligent about this. And maybe you're watching something on TV and maybe something in a TV program and it hits you and you go, hey, I could do that for, and that's your way. That's what you need to do. So Find a way. We're the people of God, after all. And the Holy Spirit guides us, and the Word of God is true. Let's uh, let's find a way, okay? So tonight, pray for our Awana kids as they're kind of wrapping things up, and pray for the students as um, uh, they're going through their things tonight. Pray for the Hispanic ministry that we have. Pray for Mission 405 and the needs that are coming up there of a place to uh, hold that. Pray for people who are sick. Pray for people who are grieving okay, and uh, lift them up some of you have been in their shoes and uh, let's spend some time in prayer if you need to leave now you certainly can and may and uh, but if you can stay for a while and pray for some of these people and uh, let the Lord use you to be a blessing to them okay thank you and the Lord bless you